Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello, it's Trent Clark, serial entrepreneur, CEO of Leadershipity and Aim for NIL, and I am a longtime international speaker and former coach in Major League Baseball, coaching in three World Series. I am with one of those protégés I coached back in the day, a good friend of mine, Chad Curtis. Chad, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. Good, good to be on with you. Oh, man, it's so good to have you aboard. It has been a long time, and you and I have had lots of discussions about philosophy and training, and you're probably one of the most trained-up athletes I ever had in all my days as a strength coach. I'll probably never forget the time we were running you on the major woodway, and I think we were running you out at like 23, 24 miles an hour, just like, how high can we take this thing? And we needed a sample guy to figure out what we could do. And we were running you pretty hard over with the tribe, if you remember that in Cleveland. Oh, no doubt. You you weren't going to throw Manny Ramirez on there to see what happened. I was, no. I was the guinea no. pig that day, yeah. Yeah, listen, Manny wasn't going to see 23 either. Like, we, we actually wanted to see if the thing could actually go pretty fast. Manny was fast, but he wasn't that fast, right? So you needed a burner. But but we weren't putting Lofton on there, in fairness, either. So so that's a, it's a good point. But, Chad, you were... You were a well-established guy in the major leagues as a hardworking guy. Certainly, I had an affinity for Chad Curtis for two very special reasons. One, Chad looks a lot like I do, which is nice. Like Chad is not the biggest guy in the major leagues, and he worked really hard to be there. And physically, he maximized his potential in every way, and I love that. And then two, of course, we're both from the great state of Michigan. So we had that established when we first met, and I started coaching you. And I immediately felt a little homecoming from anyone from Michigan. So it was very cool to coach you back in the day. So that was always, that was always awesome times for me. Yeah. I think that you talk about that. There's always some trends. And I, I remember when I was drafted, the Oakland A's, they basically drafted guys that were between 6'1 and like 6'5. And that was yeah. just their, that was their prototype. Yeah. And they, they got a few guys out of that, but I'm not sure they ended up with really good teams. And yeah. just like any other organization, you'll kind of cycle in, cycle out. And every once in a while, a guy like me gets gets into the mix. And if you produce, they give you a shot. Yeah, it's well, and I think that's that's kind of back to one of those big itties, right, of leadershipity. Productivity really rules the day, right? I mean, yeah. you could sit there and talk about how everyone looks and how they do this, but it's it's hard to argue with the numbers of productivity. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, I'm not sure this is the exact right phrase, but baseball is a meritocracy. What are your merits? Are you bringing something to the table daily or are you not? And you can be the nicest guy in the world and the New York Yankees are going to say you're going somewhere else. Yeah, I think one of, yeah, I mean, such a good point. I mean, and I, I don't think that's, 
I mean, it's the Yankees, it's any organization, certainly in pro baseball, but I don't know if it's any difference in any organization. Like, hey, how do we represent ourselves inside our organization? And how do we bring merit, value, good attitude, all, all those things that we want to add and be an adder inside an organization as opposed to someone who's bringing negative behavior, not productivity, bringing teams down, not carrying their own weight. We've all seen what both look like. Yeah, no doubt. And I would say that's one of the things that I, if I look back on some things from my career, even my life and some things I regret, there's there's those times and notions that people would say you are a value detractor. I think that when you look back and you, you want to say whether it was the Angels or Tigers or, or Yankees, when and you want to be able to say within that clubhouse and within that mix, I was able to add value, uh, and that's you want to you want to be able to say that in whatever organization you're working in. We're sure. Well, first of all, for everyone, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am your host. I love the quote: "Winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win." And that's what the show's all about: is challenges along for people that have achieved a lot. And for you, if you're sitting out there and listening to the show for the first time, you've ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting and you need to find a better way, I think you came to the right place. And it's not whether you own a company or you're in a leadership position or you're an athlete or you're just looking to start your journey today to being elite. I think this is the perfect place to get some valuable information. And so today I have with me Chad Curtis, former major league player, now author. Chad, there's a man. If I went down everything about you, there's all sorts of things I could list in this hot list, right? And by the way, both good and bad, right? Like as I sit there and I go, man, longtime Christian brother, faithful person, six children, father of six children, gander, of course, junior college, World Series, you know, standout college athlete, be drafty, two time World Series champion, prisoner, right? Like this, this, these things go through our lives and like, and it just keeps coming in. Now we add author, we add speaker, we add Chad Curtis in the, in this life. And I certainly, I don't want to be remiss about Chad Curtis, the coach, where you had a very successful career in the amateur level after, after being a pro athlete. We, we always said you were a football player in a, in a baseball player's game. So it worked really well there. And you had a lot of success as a football coach, correct? Yeah, it was mostly youth with my son, but that coached at the high school level too and was able to bring some teams up from some levels that were kind of low and into state playoffs and, and contending for different things. So, yeah, I think that even though I played more baseball, I always maintained kind of that football mentality and just I, I always enjoyed that energy. Yeah, There's, I, I've noticed a little higher grin this week as your Michigan Wolverines beat up on the Spartans. So a little little extra grin going on this week. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah. It was about time. They've been handing it to us for a while. Little little brother's been been taking it to big brother ever yeah. since that phrase was thrown out there. But uh, yeah, yeah. They, look, they look pretty good this year. They do look good. They look good. There's a big one coming up in Thanksgiving. I hope they're both undefeated when they go down into Columbus and find out about who is maybe top dog between the, the Wolverines and the Buckeyes again. Let me, real quick, Chad, tell people where they can find you. People want to reach out to you, talk about the book or get you to speak or something like that. Where could they email you and find you? Pull my book out here real quick. This is, this is a book that I recently had published in my heart and on my lips. And it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those different kinds of places. In the back of the book, I, I share that I'm actively involved in starting a nonprofit called Restore Ministries. 
And it's just about trying to bring some restoration from broken places, which I've had some opportunity to experience recently. I hope to take kind of a pretty negative experience and turn it into something positive for myself and for other people who are struggling with similar things. Uh, I kind of, I started right now, I have an Instagram page called in my heart underscore on my lips. So reachable there and also in my heart and on my lips at gmail.com. Eventually we'll have restore ministries up and have that to be a place where people can contact me. But yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I really, I did some public speaking in the past as a major league baseball player and as a Christian. And I think that I might have more to add from a value standpoint as somebody who has experienced now significant, pretty low spots as well. So yeah, I look forward to being able to share that both sides of that story with people and, and look forward to that. Very good. Let's establish a little bit of Chad Curtis. Born and raised up in Middleville, Michigan, with a little place between Grand Rapids, Battle Creek, just south of Grand Rapids, probably about 15 miles. And then down high school, make a big change as a sophomore where your family relocates just outside of Tucson, Arizona, into Benson. It's just got to be like culture shock from Michigan to Arizona. And then your baseball career really takes off as a junior college, the, the Southern Junior college baseball programs are top-notch. There's a reason for that, people, which is the fact that if you are an NCAA Division I player, you are, right now, you are required, quote-unquote, and established as a three-year player and not draft-eligible. In the junior college system, you're draft-eligible every year, each year out of the junior college system. So there's many good players who don't find themselves college material or wanting to continue their education and focus on their baseball that choose a junior college route. So the junior colleges often have very high levels of play because of it, and the teams turn pretty quickly because of it too. Is that fair? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's all completely accurate. I think I'd be a little remiss to not throw in that that was not me. That's not why I went there. I'm coming out of a small high school, an all-state football player kind of regarded as a football player and, and kind of did okay in baseball too. I was at a, a Denny's restaurant preparing for a state track meet because our baseball season was over and ran into a baseball coach from Yavapai Community College who said, hey, why don't you come on up and try out for my team? And I turned down football scholarships to walk on to play Juco baseball. That Juco baseball league out in Arizona, it's just incredible baseball. I show up and there were, I was trying out for shortstop because that's what I played in high school. And there were 17 shortstops trying out for that team, including the All-American returner from the year before. Mm. And I, I ended up getting shifted over to second base and I was mad. What I didn't realize is the reason they were shifting me is because there was no chance I was playing short. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get into that mix. And, and I think that that's really where a story kind of starts to unfold where maybe other people don't see something in you, but you want to keep saying, Hey, I believe that I, there is something there. I'm going to keep working to see if that'll come out or not. Yeah. I think one of those things that establishes there is, is some trust, right. In those people that are managing us. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times I think that I've established a person in a position because I knew it was best for the team. It was probably best for them in the long run. And You'll share that story probably a little later here about a position change for you but at, at the professional level. But sometimes we move people out into a position where we think that we want to position our players where they can be most successful. And 
they don't see the same things we see, right? And so you have to lean on that experience and knowledge that we have to go, hey, this is what's best for you. If you said, no, I'm not going to be here unless I'm the shortstop, they're going to be like, well, we got an All-American. You're not <laughs> like, you're not going to be it. And, and hey, kid, you're never going to get playing time if you're going to dig your heels in on this one. And it's not going to work out. And yet you have to kind of certainly lean into that sometimes. I don't think that's easy for people all the time. No, it's not at all. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to have my 13-year-old son eventually watch this so that he can f- figure that out too. Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes you're dealing with somebody and you're like, you, you don't have the big picture. And yeah. you have to trust that the person who's kind of pushing or, or calling shots does have a bigger picture. And that's that's just vitally important that we have some trust in those people. I have a similar story, right? Starting out as a middle infielder and in youth ball and this and that. And I was a fast guy, right? And so hey, you'd make a great center fielder. And I was pretty good at tracking balls, man. I could run a lot of stuff down. So I enjoyed it out there. And I also knew that one of the varsity coaches' kids played middle infield. So he was a nice ball player. And I thought, man, listen, I'm going to do a lot to overcome that spot. So I thought like, man, I don't know about that. And so I started looking at it and thought like, hey, maybe this is where it's best for me now. There was a time, I think, when I was trying to transition from that college to pro level that I thought like, man, I, I probably should have spent more time my size, right, Chad? Uh, I probably should have spent more time taking balls at second base, taking balls in there because I was a really offensive player back in that day at second base, but probably a real average center fielder offensively, right? So it was an interesting deal as as we get kind of pigeonholed at, at those ages, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. And that's uh, some of the stuff that I found out later is they were, they were actually moving me around positionally based on how offensive they projected me as being. Yeah. Like you said that you got three spots in the outfield. You don't necessarily need the greatest athletes out there, but if they can produce runs, give me a left fielder, give me a center fielder. Yeah. We're at second base. They're at least back in that day, there was a little different view. Yeah, for sure. And and it's an interesting thing, right? I mean, when and for years I've watched the World Series, which the World Series is going on right now, right? So it's going to be a doozy, I think, with the Astros and Phillies. And as a two-time Major League World Series champion and and myself having been in three men, I've all we we call things we call the ball a finder. You know, when you have someone out of position, like and we just hey, we just gotta have that bat in the lineup and we stick them somewhere on defense, and you know. All of a sudden, it's the playoffs, and invariably, like there's seven balls hit that way, right? Like it's like it's crazy how all of a sudden you're like, oh, we got a weak link, we know it, and it just feels like everything's hit that way. You ever notice that? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and to me, that's part of the beauty of the World Series is stuff gets exposed. It's yeah, like you get down to baseball at such a intricate level that it's like, man, the the things that you got away with for part of those 162 games is just, you just don't get away with it in the World Series. Yeah, there's a whole new strategy, right? And the strategy is changing by the moment. I mean, like, because the moments are changing and then players are coming in to do this thing. I can remember when Randy comes up, right? And you're like, hey, listen, if if Randy's going to throw, they can stick anyone in left field because no one's pulling the ball, right? Like, it's not happening, so they feel like, hey, we're safeguarded against the righties. And if the lefties are coming, we can shore up the right side of the, of the field because no one's, no one's pulling the ball to right field. It's, it's, there's so many things going on, and it's probably the, the greatest thing. The real folks that are just passionate about baseball, love about baseball, is things change on a moment. 
and it's hard to watch because it's slow and it's strategy. And I really appreciate as a fan now, when people come to me and go, I don't want you to feel bad. And I, I'm wearing a world championship ring. I don't want you to feel bad, Trent, but I don't like watching baseball. And I, I totally get why you love going to the hockey game. And I do too. Like I love going to the hockey game. I don't always understand every strategy, but man, it's fast. It's going quick and there's a lot of action and it's 20 minutes of just total chaos. And, and then we all go get a pizza and a soda and then come back and do it again. <laughs> and so in baseball, boy, it's it's an attention at every single ounce of every moment. And there's a reason. And probably one of the best guys you and I were around was Joe Madden about thinking that thing through eight steps down. Like if I do this, this happens. If this happens, then this happens. And then he's eight steps down on every decision, which probably what makes him a really solid manager. Yeah, Joe was incredible. And and I think that he always added into the mix. He, he never got away from the psychological aspects of baseball and sports where he, he knew that he needed a confident athlete. He knew that he needed a prepared athlete and the preparation will lead to the confidence. So yeah, like you said, his, sometimes I think he almost tried to come off as goofy so that he could, he could kind of slip in some of the psychological stuff. And I, I know where he got that guy died within the last few years, but Ken Reveza was the the sports psychologist sports psychologist for the angels and Ken Revisa, man, he would come up to you almost look like Groucho Marx and, and kind of like he would have your guard down so low, but you knew he was getting deep into your brain. <laughs> yeah. And I think that Ken Revisa was so good at that. Such a good guy too. And I think Joe picked up on some of that too, and just how to be within somebody's psyche without them really knowing it and helping them raise up levels that they didn't know they had. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like the superpower for me of athletics, I say it a lot in public forums and speeches is that it is a hyper learning environment. I mean, it is the best of the best coming through with all these different experiences. And of course, then they surround you with great people like Revisa and these, these tools of just knowledge. And for the sponge who can grab onto that information and extract every ounce of it, AKA Joe Madden, right? Like, it is, it's amazing the amount of height you can, you can establish. And you and I both know like Joe wasn't a great ball player, right? Like Joe was a decent catcher, minor league catcher. And, but man, as a mind in this game, he, he really got it. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I actually think, and this, this ties in with a little bit of my life experience now and currently and things I'm moving forward with. I think that Joe, because he was a struggling hitter in the minor leagues, I think he learned more tools and techniques for, pulling yourself out of a slump, getting ahead, different things to work on. I'm a contrast a little bit with Rod Carew. Rod Carew is my first major league hitting coach. And Rod Carew is one of the, the finest human beings I've ever met in my life. But I remember sometimes Rod getting frustrated trying to teach people how to hit. He's like, man, you just got to hit that ball the other way. He's like, okay, Rod, that's what you did in your career. And it was yeah. unnatural. That's not natural for me. So tell me how to do it. Rod never struggled with that. And he had a hard time maybe teaching people how to yeah. do that. Joe struggled with it all the way through the minor leagues. And now yeah. he had all these techniques to help you with. So sometimes struggle makes you a better teacher than talent. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I mean, I'll, I, I have a great Rod Carew story. In, in 99, when I signed with the Angels, Rod was our hitting guy. And we had a minor leaguer come up who was just always coming out of his shoes, right? I mean, it was the epitome of home run strikeout. He was a strategy. He was trying to establish 
Babe Ruth numbers and he was never going to get the home run number, but he was definitely going for the strikeout number. And so we, what a golden sombrero is, right? Oh yeah. Four strikeouts. It's five, right? Isn't, isn't five yeah, the golden? Sombrero four, golden five, maybe. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah, I got to think about that, but we had a guy strike out five times in one game. And, and I just remember I it was a day game. And Rod and I were walking out of the facility probably at 7, 7.30 at night. And Rod's like, man, I'm trying to help this kid. And he's like, you know, I struck out like five times the whole year, like 76. <laughs> I was like, man, it's like yeah. crazy. Like, and he's like, this kid just did it in one game. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like to make an adjustment at that level and understand like that's not going to keep you here. And and he, and he we were all frustrated. And he was a, the kid was a nice player. And yet. Man, it's like one of those things like as a, as, a, as a coach, you see like, hey, if you don't make a change, you won't stay. Like you won't stay. Something has to happen. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to get people to move in the right direction, right? You can, you can always lead that horse to water. You can't make them drink, right? Yeah, I think you bring up so, something really interesting. I'd like to see the numbers on it. I, so it's not easy to get to the big leagues. I don't want to say that. But I actually think it's easier to get to the big leagues than it is to stay in the big leagues. Yeah, Because if you don't possess that ability to adjust, you're just not going to last. Those guys, those pitchers, the coaches, and even today with all the way they break things down, they are going to find a weakness. And if you don't adjust, if you can't adjust to that weakness, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to stick around. Yeah, it's, it's so intriguing to me because Spezio says this all the time, right? Easy Spezio, Scott Spezio is a good friend of mine, and he came on the show, and he always gives that. He does it in his talks, too. He's like, it's easy to get to the big leagues. It's hard to stay. And I'm here to tell you it is not easy to get to the big leagues. He's like, it is a grind. There are 10,000 eligible players a year. There's only going to be so many drafted. I mean, you were drafted in the 45th round. Yeah. 45th round, like, I mean, people, you hear people talk about football and people make fun of Brady, right? Because Brady was like the last quarterback taken in the sixth round of the draft. Sixth round, right? <laughs> You're in the 45th round of the draft, right? And and if anyone's ever seen it, the Brady Six is a fabulous little show. It's on YouTube. You can watch the, the six quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of Brady. But when you think about your position, man, how many middle infielders, how many outfielders, were drafted before you in the 45th round and you can probably count. So when I say it's not easy to get to the major leagues, I could look at your draft year and I could probably count on my two hands. How many of those kids that year made it to the major leagues before you in, in a 45th round ahead of you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's not easy, man. Like So I'm like, and that's just the people who got drafted. How many athletes thought they were good enough and didn't get drafted? Yeah. Up two and a half from 45th round to two and a half years in the minors, which is pretty short to Very short. major league debut yeah. funny story we talked about joe already joe had told me and again you find out stuff years later joe told me he drafted me just because he he knew i had a pretty high gpa in college seemed like a smart player and he figured that after a couple of years in the minor leagues they might be able to transition me into a coach so i was drafted in the 45th round to fill a spot in the minor leagues for a couple of years and then maybe be a coach when somebody gives you a uniform and somebody gives you an opportunity you're not bound by their expectation for you. You get the opportunity to say, "What well, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this and make the best that I can." Tim Salmon, great friend of mine, college teammate, teammate with the Angels, played together in, in the minors. Same draft, same year, off of the same college team. He was drafted third round. I was drafted 45th. Tim was projected way ahead of me. I think maybe with his length of 
limb and body, maybe the wood bat adjustment took a little longer with maybe the short compact guy. My swing kind of transitioned to the wood bat pretty quick. And like you said, there probably weren't that many guys in the in the 1989 draft that got to the big leagues by 1992. Yeah, did you did you beat Tim? When was Tim rookie of the year? 494? Tim was Tim made so I I broke in out of spring training in 1992. Tim was in in that spring training with us. He went to AAA and I think by August or so of that year, he came up and did pretty good in August, September and then the next year he had his full year when he won the rookie of the year. Yeah, Johnny Orton on that team too, back in your AAA days, right? Yeah. You talk about a guy, some (laughs) crazy skill behind the plate. Yeah. Yeah. Great catcher. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. And then you hear you talking about one of the best offensive catchers of all time, who probably got maybe two years in the major leagues. Cause if you don't do one tool, you can't steal first. It's an issue. Right. And it's, and he got hurt. You go the injuries. It's a challenge. Yeah. I remember a story with John. There's some pitcher we had couldn't see his signals. Uh, sometimes shadows or whatever, and they tried the fingernail polish and still couldn't yeah. see it. So John said, just throw it. I got it. It's <laughs> a so, big league pitcher throwing big league stuff. And John was just like, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll catch it. So, yeah. He was, he was pretty skilled. Yeah. A great guy. Great, great human being and longtime coach with the White Sox. And so let's talk a little bit about that opportunity. I love what you said there. You got the uniform. You got an opportunity. Tim Salmon was a highly projected guy. It didn't hurt, by the way, his brother played football at SC, right? Like, so he's got a family that's established athletes, right? And um, they're coming to see Tim play. Yeah. But they got to see all the players play. Is that how Chad Curtis gets discovered? Yeah, that, that's actually was one of the major factors why I went to Grand Canyon. Tim was actually projected as a first round pick. And I was like, well, I, I was Juco All-American the year before at Cochise College. I led the nation in RBIs, and I think I was pretty close to leading the nation in home runs. I hit over 400, and I didn't get drafted. Wow. So what do I do? I got to get seen. I, I don't know. How do I get noticed? I think yeah, it's kind of the, the size thing. So I, I'm going to go play right beside Tim Salmon, and <laughs> maybe I can get a shot playing right beside him. It, it worked out perfectly. And uh, Tim was Tim six four at that point, probably two right around two two oh five. And yeah. if he and I he and I are running a sixty yard dash, I mean he's he's right off my shoulder. Yeah. So there's, there's no doubt. I mean that's that. Again, we talk a little bit about the A's projection of players. Yeah. Now, that was Tim was prototype cannon for an arm, good contact, good power, good speed. He had every tool that they were looking for. Yeah, which made him the rookie of the year and. Yeah, I loved love coaching Tim Salmon. Hard worker, man of his word. You always like that as as a coach. So let's kind of pivot here a little bit and talk a little bit about bounced around. You're recently in the news, by the way, because Derek Jeter's the whatever his show was, the captain came out and they did a little piece on you were frustrated the the team got in a little skirmish and yada yada, and you were a big Derek fan. I think Derek was a big Chad Curtis fan too. And you guys were out there winning games. I mean, all the time. It was just everyone knew, like, New York's coming to town or you got to go there. Like, we're probably not going to win the series. Like, <laughs> if you get a game, you feel good about yourself kind of thing. It was a real powerful team at the time and and not a lot of chinks in the armor, right? And certainly that was a time where you got the highest paid team in the league and teams are frustrated. So maybe that's the psychological things people take, kind of like the hockey game where, what? Maybe we can mix it up and stir our 
stir our juices by getting in a fight because we're not going to beat them on the field on the, on, on paper. We're not going to beat them up. So you get into that and, and then there's kind of misunderstanding about how that went down. Walk me through that a little bit. Need to hydrate, but tired of plain old water. You need rebellious infusions, no sugar, no calories loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system and L-thionine for brain health, 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.